No, we've kind of we've kind of changed things up a little bit this weekend, and and uh, you know it's so funny when you're a non-traditional church, even a non-traditional church develops traditions, right? And so for some of you, like, hey, I thought we had four songs, not three songs. We've had three songs, and I thought we we did things differently. And all of a sudden, you've changed everything on 2014. Well, we did for today. And one of the reasons that we did that is because we wanted to start the new year off with baptisms. I don't know if you know this or not, but last year, in 2013, we baptized over 160 people out of this body. And so, so we decided this. Because God honors the first. You, you know that. You understand that about Scripture, right? That God honors the first. You give him the first part of your day, he'll bless the rest. You give him the first part of your income, he'll bless the rest. You give the first part of your talent, talents to him, he'll bless the rest. And so as a result of that, uh, we decided, you know what we're going to do? This weekend, we're going to start off the services with baptism. And we're going to give that to him, and we're going to honor him with that. And so if we confused you because of that, uh, we are so sorry. Now listen, if you're concerned, because you usually get four songs and you get three songs a day, and you say, hey, I feel like I'm ripped off, that's okay, uh, because we're going to bring the worship team back up in a few moments, and we're going to let them communicate and help me uh, communicate the first principle. I told Pastor Chad this. I said, you know what, since I'm letting the worship team and I'm letting you guys you know, help me preach this weekend, the next weekend I get to help you sing. So uh, you guys act like you're scared. You, sh- you know what? You should be. So this weekend we're starting a brand new series, a series that I'm pretty excited about called New Beginnings. It comes out of, out of my life and it comes out of a, a portion of my life to where something happened when I understood this verse that we're going to look at um, and actually we're going to look at for the next four weeks. But all of a sudden, when I understood this verse, and I understood the implication, I understood what he was saying, that I'm telling you, for me in my spiritual life, it was like a game changer. I mean, it, 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 for me, it answered a lot of questions about my spiritual life and Christianity and, and everything. And so as a result of that, starting a new year, we're going to start a new series called New Beginnings. This weekend, we're going to look at the subject of, of a new faith. Now listen, let me tell you something. I love you guys deeply. And it is an honor to, to be your pastor. It's an honor to have been your pastor and been a part of this church since 1995. But, but I just I want you to understand this, that I, I truly desire to pastor you. See, it is not my goal to give you a spiritual experience on, on the weekends just for an hour and that it doesn't affect anything else in your life and doesn't even impact anything else in your life. See, it, it is my desire. It is my desire to just truly pastor you and so in 2014, what I want to do is I want to take you on a spiritual journey. And I want you to understand some things about Scripture. And I want you to understand some things about being a Christian and what it is and what it isn't and what Scripture talks about. And so I want to take you on this new, this, this, in this series, New Beginnings Will Lay Out the Framework. And it comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Here's what the Scripture says. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, watch this, he is a new creation. Okay, so the old is passed away. That means your old life is gone, all the sin, all the junk and the stuff of your past. Your old, the old is gone, the old is passed away. And behold, and also that word new again, a new, uh, and behold, the new has come. Now listen, too many Christians do not approach Christianity with this concept. And I was the same way until I got this, until I understood this. See, most people, most people approach Christianity this way. That God comes into my screwed up, messed up life 
And he comes in, and he just tries to make things a little bit better. He just tries to make some of the external, some of the habits. He just tries to make some things better. But listen, when you look at Scripture, it is not the new and improved you, right? We see commercials all the time with new and improved products. That's not new. If it's improved, it is not new. And a lot of us, we approach, we approach Christianity that way. To where God just comes and it's really not a new life, it's just an improved life. But I'm telling you, God wants all things new in your life. Revelation chapter 21, he talks about doing a new work and new things in your life. See, there are a lot of people, especially religious people, that will take this verse, they're going to put it back up on the screen, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And here's how they would read it. Therefore, if if anyone is in Christ, he does a bunch of religious stuff. He goes to church, and while you're there, read read the Bible. That'd be good, and sing some songs, and do some things. And so religious people focus on the external, not the internal. But that's not what the Scripture says, right? The Scripture says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and if anyone is a believer, if anyone has a relationship with him, he is a... New creation, not new and improved, not a better you. He is a new creation. The old has passed away, the old life. And guess what? A new life has come. Now, here's a, here's a statistic to just wipe me out this last week. A statistic says 78% of Americans consider themselves Christian. But 71%. Of those, the 78%, 71% of those that consider themselves a Christian would say their life really hasn't changed. If that statistic is right, only 7% of the Christians in the U.S. would say, you know what, after meeting Christ, my life has changed. I handle my marriage differently, I handle relationships differently, I handle my resources differently, I handle decisions in my life differently, I actually use scripture to, to, to help me and to guide me in my life. I mean, when I looked at this, and that means this, that 71% of those would say, you know what, my life hasn't changed at all. And the reason is this, is because so many people focus on the externals so many people focus on the habits which means this there's a lot of people out there that are associating some things with Christianity that is really not real Christianity is this and this is when the light came on for me real Christianity is this real Christianity is when you and I understand that we are a new creation the old has passed away and it's a change that happens on the inside inside out religion teaches you this If you focus on the external, sooner or later, it gets to the real you. We know that doesn't work. It will give you guilt. It will give you condemnation. You you will get frustrated. And so what Scripture teaches us, it's this change that happens on the inside out. And so I'm asking you, if you'll give me a chance, if you'll give me a chance today, if you'll give me a chance for the next three weekends, I'm going to show you how real life Change can take place in your life. When the light came on for me, and I'm just going to tell you, it doesn't happen by doing a bunch of external stuff hoping that it finally gets to the real you. Yeah, a lot of us, at the first of the year, because of some of our traditions, we do New Year's resolutions. I mean, at the first of the year, we're open to change more than any other time of the year, right? 
And so we know this. It doesn't really work, right? But a lot of us, we can't even remember our New Year's resolutions from last year. USA Today just did, a, did an article on New Year's resolutions, and they did a bunch of surveys, and what they found is majority of Americans still do New Year's resolutions. And that the average American by March has, doesn't even remember or broken every one of their New Year's resolutions. And, and usually when people do New Year's resolutions in, in, in the U.S., it centers around five different or four different areas, and, and it's all on behaviors, whether it's losing weight, whether it's improving finances, quit smoking, you know, amount of alcohol, quit drinking. And so, and so when you look at it, it's all about behaviors. And, and so it's all about just focusing on, on behaviors. And so, and so they found that, that it doesn't work. In fact, is I did a New Year's resolution again this year. Even though I, doesn't, I know it doesn't work, I just thought, what the heck, I might as well try it. And so my New Year's resolution this year was no more three putts in 2014. Now, if you're a golfer, you know how horrible a three-putt is. And that if you want to break 90, you can't three-putt. And so that was my New Year's resolutions. No three-putts for 2014. Unfortunately, on my first round of golf, which was New Year's Day, uh, first round of golf, second hole, I blew my New Year's resolution. Hole number two, hole number four, and then again on the back nine. And so which I thought, you know what, I should have gotten a golf lesson. I should have changed something inside me before I worried about the behavior. Listen, let me tell you something. Christianity, quit focusing on the behavior. Quit focusing on the habit, focus on God. Christianity is this, is that, is that when there's an inward tra- change, it begins to change the outer you. Listen, I'm telling you, just based upon his word, 2014 can be your best year ever if it's your best year spiritually. It's not up about your circumstances. It's not up about your situation. It's not not about any of that. But 2014 can be your best year ever if it's your best year spiritually. If we learn how, don't start with a habit. Just start with God. In other words, in 2014, let's make a commitment. Let's allow God to do something new and fresh in our life. It's the difference between doing something different and becoming a new person. I really believe this. A lot of Christians have never experienced change at this level. The Old Testament was the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant focused on the externals. It focused on the habits. So in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, when you sinned, you had to go get an animal, and it had to be firstborn and perfect and all this other stuff, and you would take it to church, and you would sacrifice it, and its blood would not take away your sin. It would cover your sin. That's why under the new covenant that your sin could be forgiven, your sin could be covered, but as a worshiper it didn't cleanse your conscience. As a worshiper you still felt guilty about it, even though it was forgiven. Listen, a lot of you, you came out of denominations, you came out of spiritual backgrounds that was based upon old covenant theology. And you were led by guilt and condemnation and all that other. You never felt freedom. And so Hebrews chapter 10 The writer of Hebrews starts talking and fleshing this out, trying to show us the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Here's what he says, uh, verse 16. He said, this is the covenant. Now he's starting to talk about the New Covenant. He begins this parallel. That I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws, watch this, I will put my laws on their hearts. You understand, not the external, the internal. Okay, I'll put my laws on their heart, and he goes on, and I'll write them on their mind. In other words, this, God isn't going to tell you to do right. He's going to make you right. 
And so, and so, no, no, and this may catch you off guard, but so here's the deal. So as a result of that, you don't follow the Bible. When you understand this, you don't follow the Bible. The Bible gets in you, and when it gets in you, it changes your life. If you've been reading the Bible and say, you know what, I read that Bible. It's just way too hard for me. Well, guess what? You know why? The Bible hasn't gotten in you. Because when His Word gets in you, what Scripture says, that it begins to change you. And if you ever tried just to focus on the externals and, and, and just obey His rules, you know it can be frustrating. And he goes on, verse 17, then he adds, watch this, new covenant. And I will remember their sins no more. And their lawless deeds. And so when you look at the old covenant, it couldn't make all things new. The new covenant makes all things new. That when you're a believer, when you're in Christ, the old has passed away and behold, the new has come. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Watch this. Therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the holy places of the blood of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, by the new, there's that word again, it's all through scripture, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. So he tells us four things. I just want to give you four things this morning that if you if you want to start this year out with new beginnings, if you want to, if you want to get this, if you want to understand this, there's four principles this morning, and, and uh, the first one is this. If you truly want to get close to him, if you truly want to get near to him, then you know what he says? He says we need to learn to draw near and worship. There, there's four statements. There's three statements in Hebrews. We're just going to walk through this together. This text basically preaches itself. It, you, eh, I mean, it's just so easy. And Paul makes, in Hebrews, he makes three let us statements. Let us do this. Let us do this. If we want to get close to him, if we want to understand this, let us, let us, let us. The third time, he basically says it. He just phrases it a different way. So there's four different times he says that if we want to get close to him, here's what we got to do. The first one is this. is let us just draw near to him and worship. Now, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. He's talking about worship. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. In other words, what he's saying that if you and I want to get close to him, the greatest decision that you and I could make in 2014 is to say this year, you know what? I'm going to get close to him. This year, I want this year to be the best year of my life spiritually. And guess what? When it is, because the spiritual always impacts the physical. And that when you make that decision, when the chain gets in you, it changes everything. Because here's the deal. Some of us this morning, we're just way too far from him. And we need to get close to him. And we need to get close to him and worship. And chances are that is difficult for a lot of us. Let me tell you something. You may have him as your God. But he's not your friend. God is not a force. He's a father. A force cannot love you, cannot speak to you, cannot forgive you, and cannot guide you. God is not a force. God is not the big man upstairs. God is a father, a force 
cannot speak to you and guide you and love you and forgive you. A father. A father can. And what, what he's saying, you've got to draw t- closer to him intimately. Jesus said this in John chapter 4, verse 23. He said, but the hour is coming and is here now. When true worshipers, I mean, Scripture talks about acceptable worship and non-acceptable worship. And so Jesus is making a distinction. Jesus is saying, there's a time when true worshipers will worship the Father in how? In spirit and truth. The Father, not a force, the Father is seeking people to worship Him. Interesting that word worship, worship Him. The Greek definition of that word worship is to kiss. Not a kiss of lovers, but a kiss of close friends. A kiss of intimate friends. What he says in 2014. If you want to draw closer to him, if you want to understand what it means about this internal change, you have to learn to worship him intimately. Are you worshiping him intimately? Listen, this was a hard road for me. And so if it's hard for you, I get it. I totally understand it. I don't know what your life was like, but when I met Christ, I was really lost. My life was a wreck. I still have not forgotten what it was like to be lost. I still have never forgotten what it's like to not have him in my life. And my spiritual background was this, that my life was a wreck, my life was a disaster. The only thing I had could hope for is God would do something. And I walked into a traditional Southern Baptist church in Houston, Texas. And I'm so thankful for my heritage, and I'm so thankful for their heavy, heavy emphasis on evangelism. And that Sunday, I met Christ, and he came into my life, and I was radically changed. Because I was, I'm telling you, I don't know how lost you were. I just know how lost I was. And I started reading scripture. And see, worship for us was very traditional. If you have my heritage, you know worship is more like a funeral than a celebration, right? And in a Southern Baptist church, worship is really the warm-up act just to get people in the door seated, let them get enough time for them to read their bulletin and drink their coffee and everything for the pastor to get up, and it was about the word, the word, the word, and I'm all for the word. We can't ignore worship. And so I'm reading Scripture, and I start noticing some things in Scripture, how, how people talked about in Scripture about lifting of hands and showing emotion and all of that other stuff. And I still remember I went to one of our leaders at our church and says, hey, I'm just reading in Scripture. Why is it that we don't lift hands here? Because in a Southern Baptist church, you could lift hands as long as it was in a business meeting. Right? As long as you're voting on something, the color of carpet, color of paint, hire and fire a pastor, and then you better make sure you lift the hands voting for the right thing or they will take you out. Right? Some of you that have my heritage, you know that. You know that the mafia will always be alive and well as long as there's church business meetings. 
because they will put a hit on your life. They won't take you out physically, but they will take you out. Isn't that right? Yeah, those of you that have my heritage. And so, so I says, why is it that we worship but we don't lift hands? And here's the answer. Boy, that's a slippery slope. You start lifting hands in church, next thing you're going to be doing is doing laps around the church, rolling and flipping and jumping pews and all this other stuff, and craziness is going to happen. I'm like, then let me ask you this, then why? If posture of worship and the way in which we worship, if it's not important, why is it talked about so much in Scripture? I remember the first time that I came to a church much like ours where people were expressive in worship, I'm telling you, it freaked me out. Right? I mean, it did. I'd never seen it. And even though it freaked me out, I wanted what they had. I wanted to be able to be passionate about my work. I mean, why would I scream louder and harder for the Dallas Cowboys than I would for the one that has saved me? And people fill stadiums all the time for that. And so I, I had to make a decision. I'm going to learn to worship him intimately. And so I started out with baby steps, just me, just my story. It's like, carry the TV, carry the TV. <laughs> so nobody will really see. And then I, I remember the first time, because I was worried, you know, what my buddies would say and what they would think. And I, I still remember, you know, the first time, I, it's just one hand, and I just, I'm like, because that's cool, Right? There's three other things I want to give you just real quickly. The second one is this, is that we grow closer to Him through life journaling. Or we grow closer to Him through the reading of Scripture, the daily reading of Scripture. The, the next let us statement in, in, in Hebrews chapter 10 says this, verse 23. This is what he says. Let us, there's that statement again, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for He who is promised is faithful. If you really want life change, if you really want to change from the inside out, it is not focusing on the behaviors. It is not focusing about on the eternals. It is this. It is trying to get His Word in you. Listen, let me tell you something. The Scripture says the Bible is alive and active. But when it is active is when it was active in your life to where you're taking biblical principles and applying them to a marriage and to a, 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 as a father or as a, as a husband or a mom or a wife or, or employee, employer, to where you're actually taking his word and applying it to your life. Because listen, statistics say the majority of Americans, Christianity doesn't really change anything other than what they do for about an hour every weekend, and they really don't have much of a priority on that telling you it's taking an understanding that just the daily reading of his word this the bible is not it's not a normal book it has power and it's living and it's active if you won't change in your life then it's getting involved in his word and what we do here is we just life journal pastor Dwayne spent a lot of time on that last weekend helping you understand life journaling and what that looks like you can pick life journals up at the, at the, on your way out in the uh, information area. The third principle is this, that if you want to draw near to him, if you want to get closer to him in 2014, here's the third one, you've got to draw near to him in connecting with others. 
Listen, the Bible will tell you, psychologists will tell you, counselors will tell you that we were wired to connect with others, that there's healing in connection. But the sad thing is this. So many people have been hurt and betrayed. They don't want to ever trust again. They don't want to ever be vulnerable again. You talk to a lot of people about love, and you know what they'll talk, you know what they'll tell you when you ask them about love in their life? They'll tell you about all the hurt and the betrayal and people that hurt them, left them, abused them, took advantage of them. Because what has happened is, is they have been so hurt in the past. But listen, the old is gone, a new has come. And scripture talks that healing best happens. Not in rows, but in circles. And that's why we do life groups here. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. But how can we encourage one another if we don't know one another? How can we encourage one another if we don't have a relationship with one another? And God is saying the secret to your personal growth is to where you come to the place, and you're not going to make life all about you. And you come to the place in your life to where you say, you know what? I'm going to help others. I'm going to come into community with others. In other words, if you want real life change and you're not connecting with others, then you're missing out. And the fact is, Scripture says that spiritual growth will never really happen if you leave other people out of the process. At my age, you know what I'm learning? Just a principle that I'm learning. It takes a long time to develop old friends. Old friends don't happen overnight. It takes a long time of developing old friends that you can trust and you can love and they're there with you in difficult seasons and times of celebration. And the way the scripture talks about that, the way we accomplish that is through life groups, the meeting together, what Hebrews talks about. But there's a lot of you in this room, and you don't want to be vulnerable to anyone. And you don't want to trust again. And I'm telling you, you're missing out on personal growth. There's a lot of senior pastors in a church our size that would never ever be in a life group because they have been hurt and they have been betrayed and they've been taken advantage of and and so they just decided to live a life of loneliness and can I just tell you this as your pastor that one of the greatest things for Karen and I my wife is when we went into a life crew and I don't even lead it Lee Hall, Andy Trainer, they lead it. They're my leaders. And it has been water to us on a parched land. It has been air to us. And we're not a group, we're a family. And we've celebrated with one another, we prayed for one another, we've encouraged one another. And we look forward. You know, you know what church is? Church is taking a group of strangers and making them family. And when the world sees the way that we worship, and when the world sees the way that we connect with others, they say, you know what? I want that. Hey, think about this. Simon Peter, when Simon Peter denied Christ, 
When did he deny Christ? When he was no longer connected with his life group. There's something about the accountability. There's something about knowing you're going to meet with some friends. There's something about that relationship, that, that, those, that group of people, to when they, when they tell you or ask you, how you doing? And you say, I'm fine. And they look you back in the eyes and say, no, you're not. Life change happens better in rows, better in, in circles than in rows. In March, we start a, a new semester of life groups. And some of you, some of you say things like, you know what? When I clean up my life, then I'll find a life group. That'll never happen. Because you know how you clean up a life? With relationships. Listen, a lot of people say, when I get my life together, if you could have gotten your life together, you already would have done that. Find a life group. Get into a group of people that are like you, have like hobbies, like interests, all that other stuff. I'm telling you, it will literally change your life spiritually. And you know what? It will improve your marriage. Because if you and your wife are fighting and you got to go to life group that night, you'll get it right before you get there. <laughs> right? <laughs> the fourth and the last principle, if you want real, real life change, is this. you got to draw near to him in serving. This is really our four B's that we follow here at Fellowship the Rockies. Here's uh, verse 25. He says, not neglecting to meet together as, as in the habit of some. In other words, church really isn't a priority but encouraging one another all the day more as you see the day drawing near. The reason that some of us aren't growing spiritually is because of this, because we're not serving. We've left serving out of the process. We've left people out of the process. And really, truly, you know what we've made? We've made Christianity all about us. I'll show up, and everybody else can serve me. Everybody else can take care of me. And if I don't like some things, I'll let them know. I'll gripe about it. I'll complain about it, all that other stuff. But I'm really not an owner. I'm really not a participator. I'm really and truly a spectator. Listen, at Fellowship of the Rockies, I am not into exhibiting God for you every on the weekends. Here's what I'm into, to, is leading you so that we don't exhibit him, but we experience him. And we experience him not only in corporate worship, corporately, but individually, and in life groups, in homes, in serving. And so the question is, have you found a place to serve? Have you found a place to minister? Now listen, there are people that answer that question the same way as is like life groups. They say, oh, wait a minute, you don't understand. Once I clean up my life, I'll serve. Once I get my life perfect, I'll serve. Listen, let me tell you something. If I had that philosophy, I couldn't be your pastor. We're all a wreck. <laughs> We're all a mess. So let's just admit it. And let's understand. Listen, I'm telling you. You can be real and be a believer. You don't have to be hyper-spiritual. It creeps me out when people are hyper-spiritual. 1 Peter 4, 9 says, Show hospitality to one another without, without grumbling. How can you show hospitality to one another if you don't know one another? How can you live a Christian life if you don't have one Christian friend that you meet with and pray with and encourage? 
as each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another. So how do you use your gift? Serve one another. You know what? Unfortunately, you know what a lot of people have done? They've taken their spiritual gift, and you know how they use it? They use it for themselves. They use it in the corporate world. They use it to grow their business, to grow their income. They, it, it becomes all about them. And that's okay, but you're also supposed to use that spiritual gift in the church. And the scripture says every one of us has a gift. Use it to serve who? To serve one another. As good stewards, we're supposed to steward what God has given us. Of God's varied grace. Listen, let me tell you something. You have a gift, and when you're not serving, I just got to tell you, you're missing out. And when you don't serve, we'll get by, I promise you. But we won't get by as well as we would if you were serving. Question is, what's your next step? Every one of us has a next step. So the question is, what is your next step? Just bow your heads with me and close your eyes. The only reason we ask for heads bowed and eyes closed is just so that we can just focus. Because the scripture teaches that every one of us has a next step. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where we are in our spiritual journey. Your next step may be your first step. And it may be that place where you just come to accept Christ and understand that the old is gone and the old is passed away. And you're free of that junk and that stuff of the past. And you're totally and completely forgiven. And He is your Father. Maybe you've done that. Maybe your next step is, Lord, I'm going to learn how to worship you intimately. I'm going to find a life group and I'm going to start the healing process. And I'll keep going to a life group until I find some people that are like me and like hobbies and like sense of and all that stuff. I'm going to find a life group. Find a place just to serve. Lord, I, I want 2014 to be my best year spiritually.